0: Well, in our, uh, our building of the Student Center and our Capital Funds Campaign for Future Generations, uh, we have been focusing on uh, the next generation. Uh, we've not ignored this generation, but we're also looking visionary, in a visionary way towards the future because we want to be looking beyond where we are and what we are doing. And we want to provide something better, and we want to provide something that will be a very functional part of student ministry. This is the next generation. Will lead us, but they also have to have a solid biblical faith and a solid faith in Jesus Christ and understanding uh, their commitment to Christ. We've had people share their testimonies as the Bartons did today. Thank you for doing that. And others who have talked about um, their commitment to student ministry and uh, how they will make some sacrificial gifts uh, to our building campaign. And we've been challenged to pray individually and as families and seek God's will as to what He would want us to do. To give sacrificially over the next three years so that we can uh, uh, pay down the debt on the building earlier and save a lot of money on interest and then be able to move on to meet some other needs. Then we are going to talk about a passion for the next generation. And what does that mean to us? What are the implications about that as uh, we look at our student ministry, other generations yet to come? And, and what is it, what's the significance of that? Why should we have a passion for future generations? I want you to look with me uh, at the book of Psalms, Psalm 78, we're going to read the first seven verses. It's a Psalm of Asaph, uh, who wrote many of the praise songs uh, for David, and uh, kind of like the minister of music. And and so, he is writing today about something that's a burden for him, something that's an urgency for him, and it needs to be for us as well. He writes and says, "'O my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth.' I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old, what we have heard and known, and what our fathers have told us. We will not hide them from their children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power, and his wonders he has done. He decreed statutes for Jacob and established the law in Israel, which he commanded our forefathers to teach their children so the next generation would know them, even the children yet to be born. And they in turn would tell their children. Then they would put their trust in God, and would not forget His deeds, but would keep His commands. Uh, this, uh, this Psalm 78 uh, came to me one morning in my quiet time, and reading and studying and praying about uh, what we were embarking upon in building the student there. And it just hit me that I don't think there's anything any more clearer and any more passionate about providing for future generations than this one. Asaph is talking about reaching this generation. And that generation then will tell the next generation. And that generation will tell the next generation yet to be born about the things of God, His power and His might and His blessings and all of these things. And that's what we need to be about. We need to be about making the most important and significant investment that we could ever make and that is making a spiritual investment in the generations to come. Asap, who wrote this, knew about the significance and the importance about future generations coming to know, love, and accept, and build their lives upon the teachings that God had given to his people. Asap was convinced that there needed to be a bridge built between the current generation and future generations. He says, oh my people, he says with a sense of urgency. He says, hear my teaching, listen to the words of my mouth. It's like he's saying, listen up people, this is important. This isn't just another praise song. But this is important about the future of our our being the people of God, and about the future destiny of generations that are yet to come. Now what the Holy Spirit uh, said through ASAP maybe 3,000 years ago. It's still just as relevant as the headlines of today. And as the Church of Jesus Christ we have a sacred responsibility to make sure that generations yet to come who aren't even here yet, who aren't even born, will come to know about the redeeming love of God in Jesus Christ. That's the urgency about this psalm. And it just pricked my heart about that. And that's why we chose that for future generations as a theme. Uh, for our capital f- uh, stewardship campaign. Because it is about future generations. It is about others who will come. It's about others who are yet, not yet a part of our church that we want to reach. And student ministry is a vital part of the life of any church today. And it has to be a very vital, it has to be a very active, and at the same time, it's got to be a very attractive uh, ministry to attract others to come. I want to compare something about Asaph's concern and, um, and 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 why. When you look at verse nine, he says, "Though armed with bows, they turned back on the day of battle." What he was talking about was he was talking about the tribe of Ephraim, and he says that when it was time to go to battle, they were armed, they had bows and arrows, but instead they had gotten fat and lazy, and they decided that they wouldn't go into battle, and they would not go out and be victorious. Now Joshua. The leader who came after Moses and was the leader of the people who actually took them into the promised land, Joshua is the one who came from that tribe of Ephraim. Now, I want you to notice what happens when that one generation gets slack. All it takes is one generation getting slack in, in their spiritual requirements. When you look at Judges, the beginning of Judges, chapter 2, verse 10, says that after Joshua died, Another generation grew up who knew neither the Lord nor what He had done for Israel. Now what is our urgency about reaching the future generations? It's the same as it's always been. If there is one generation that is overlooked, if there is one generation that is not taught about the love of God and His power to change and transform their life, if there is one generation that misses out on that teaching and we are only one generation away from losing the Christian faith. Have you ever thought about that? See so that's how significant it is to make sure that every generation hears about God's love and everything that He has given to us. I think what Aesop is saying is those of us who know we must tell those who are yet to come. And I think a, a spiritual image would come to mind and that is We need to be about building a spiritual bridge from this generation to the generations yet to come. Now to do that as we look at the scripture I think uh, has uh, at least three implications for us. The first one is this and that is that the bridge to the future is anchored to the faith of those who have gone before us. Asaph is just really Talking about that out of the depth of his heart, in verses three and four and, and uh, five, and he talks about the fact that the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord we must make known, so that we will teach our children. Now those of us who have a relationship with Jesus Christ, no matter how long it's been, we had to hear that message about Jesus from somebody somewhere along the way. You know Either a parent sat down and talked to us about that, or a grandparent sat down and talked to us about that or a Sunday school teacher took interest in us, or an RA leader, or a GA leader, or you heard it in a sermon. But you had to know about God's love for you, and yet your sin, and had to know about repentance and coming to faith in Christ. And so it takes telling rather than assuming that the next generation will know the teachings and decrees and the truth of the Lord Jesus Christ. Spring Valley Baptist Church, we are now in our 34th year we had our beginnings with a group of visionaries from North Trenton back as early as 1977, and maybe even earlier than that. A group of visionaries who had a vision for establishing a church out in Northeast Columbia when basically uh, Spring Valley High School and Jimmy's Mark were the only landmarks, and most everything else was Sand Hill and Scrub Oaks. And it was not done very easily, those of you who might have been involved in that process. There were those who opposed it and said it's not the right time for us to do that. There are not enough people out in the Northeast yet. You know it costs a lot of money for us to do that and I don't know if we can afford to do that. We need to send members to help establish that and I don't know that we need to do that. A lot of different things came up about that. But our visionaries persevered. And Spring Valley Baptist Church grew out here in Northeast Columbia. uh, Meeting in homes and meeting at at Lonnie B. Nelson School, and meeting at Spring Valley High School, and then building the first building on this property. So, we are the beneficiaries today at Spring Valley Baptist of the vision of those people who had a vision for a church. And we now are that people who have the awesome responsibility to reach this community. Most of the growth is out beyond us, and so we got to be visioning about how we're going to reach that. And one of the great concerns is about always the generations yet to come. And so we're focusing on our student ministry. We're investing a lot in our students. First time ever that we've had two, Jason and Ryan, to work with our students. A lot of schools to cover, a lot of students to deal with, a lot of things that need to be shaking up for for student ministry. And so that's why we're focusing upon this. Well, let me tell you about what we have come to achieve in, in a brief measure. We rank number 20 out of all the churches in the state of South Carolina in giving to cooperative program. We aren't the 20th church in size by any means, but we rank number 20 in gifts to the cooperative program. By the end of this month in March we will give have given $3 million to the cooperative program. See, our vision has been beyond us. We just maybe don't realize that. Now, think about student ministry from the past. Think about student ministry over the last 33 years. And look at the number of students who have grown up through our student ministry. Who've gone and answered a call from God. They've gone to seminary and now they are pastors, they are church planners, they are missionaries, they are youth ministers, they are serving on church staffs. And if they are not called into full-time ministry they are actively involved in their church, which always takes that. Our student ministry has been blessed. It's been a vital part of the life and ministry of our church. And where would those students be as adults now if it hadn't been for Spring Valley Baptist Church? Our Student Center is being built as a resource to supplement everything else that we do in student ministry. It's going to be state of the art. It's going to be a place where they can come and experience the love of God. Now, as in every capital funds campaign when you go to build something you are going to have some who are opposed to it. You are going to have some that don't want to give to it. You are going to have some say I'm tired of hearing the church talk about money. I've been here 24 years. This will be our fourth building project. And I can't tell you, I'm not sure, I didn't go back and look and count the number of capital funds campaigns that uh, we have had. And when we began the first one, which was to pay off the indebtedness on the children's building uh, that I inherited when I came here as pastor, we had to do that first before we could start dreaming about bringing the, the vision for this worship center to reality. And so we had capital funds campaigns to pay that off. Then we had capital funds campaign to begin building cash and revenue so that we could begin the structure of this facility that we worship in week by week. Then we had a capital funds campaign to uh, continue to pay that down and then to complete downstairs in the education building for adults. And then we paid that off and we paid all of that off early. And we were in such great shape that we didn't do a capital funds campaign. To build the plat Building, but we built that and we paid for it in 15 months. Now we're embarking on a million and a half dollar building project, investing in generations yet to come. And we're in a capital funds campaign. I've heard some of the same things. You know, nobody, nobody dreads a capital campaign more than the pastor because you gotta focus on money and you gotta hit hard about it. You gotta ask people to give sacrificially. You've got to ask them to tithe. and We've just come out of November focusing upon stewardship emphasis and tithing and commitment to that, and here we're asking for more money. I remember when we went to begin our first capital funds campaign, one of the advisors said, uh, one of the, the consultants with the uh, capital funds program said, "I want to tell you something, pastor. if you've never been involved in a capital funds campaign, I'm going to tell you what's going to happen to you personally." He said, "You're going to have your heart broken." And he said you're going to have your heart broken in two ways. First of all it's going to be broken by the people that you know and love and serve as pastor who tell you that they are not going to support that campaign and they're not going to give anything. Then he said secondly you're going to have your heart broken when you learn of some beautiful stories of sacrifice where people really sacrifice and they make a sacrificial contribution to building that building and you're going to be broken because your heart is just going to overflow with joy. And he's right. That's happened in every campaign so far. I hope it doesn't happen in this one. I hope everyone will be on board with us because next week is our ultimate commitment Sunday. Yeah, if you don't make it next week you can turn it in later. But we need to remember the significance of this church and our mission and our vision and why we are here. As we look upon our past and building that bridge to the future. Here's a second implication. We are the bridge that links us to a visionary past as well as a changing future. See I think it's beyond dispute to notice that the morals in our culture and our society are constantly unraveling at the very, at least for me, alarming rate. By every statistical measure we have, the next generation of students are basically biblically illiterate. It's not their fault. It's not their fault. It's our fault if we don't seek to reach them and pass on the faith that we have and the knowledge about God and about the love of Jesus Christ. Notice again what Aesop said, what we have heard from our fathers we will not hide from our generation, from our children. If the, if the next generation doesn't possess the Christian faith and the Christian values and the Christian morals that we possess, guess whose fault it is? It's ours. It's ours. If we get fat and lazy and decide that we're not going to go to that battle, we're not going to go to that much trouble. We need to remember that we are the spiritual bridge." that links our our past to the future with vision. By definition a bridge is that which takes us from where we've come to where we need to go. Now without anchoring ourselves in the solid foundation of the past we will collapse. And without a focus on the future we will build a bridge to nowhere. But we are constructing a building that has been carefully planned and prayed over that will reach future generations through the ministry that takes place in it. Is that building a stop all? Is that a serve all? Is that the answer to all the issues out there? Absolutely not. But it certainly will be an enhancement to our student ministry. Now here is the third implication. There is an urgency to build a bridge to generations desperately in need of a solid Biblical foundation. You see, Asaph had a great concern and an urgency that future generations would know about God's love and His decrees. Now, let me give you a comparison that is a sad story. In 2 Kings 20 we find a portion of the reign of King Hezekiah. And for the most part King Hezekiah was a good king. But there came a point in time in his his reign where there was a threat of uh, the Babylonians coming and invading his people. And he knew that the Babylonians were stronger than were his people. But he got good news from one of the advisors that said he had information that said that the Babylonians did not plan to come and invade them until there would probably be the third generation after King Hezekiah left. And Hezekiah basically says, boy that's good news. I don't have to worry about it on my watch. It's going to happen two generations later. To me that's a great contrast between Asaph and King Hezekiah. Asap says, there is an urgency in my soul that we reach all generations. And we've got to tell future generations. And in Hezekiah's heart he said, "Well, I'm glad they're not going to invade during my time. There will be other people who have to deal with that. So, we have to understand the urgency with which we build this bridge, a spiritual bridge. Now, now, let's deal with a question that some of you have asked. How will the student center enable us to reach future generations? Well, I've asked Jason to give me some figures. And we know we have at least five high schools in Richland District 2 that we have representation there. Then you throw in Ben Lippin uh, and then Lugolf Eldren. So that's seven high schools. I don't even know how many middle schools we we have. But you combine the student population of those and somewhere around 20,000. And they come from homes all right around in here within about a 15 minute drive of the life of this church. Every statistic that I have read says that we are somewhere around 65% unchurched or without a relationship with Jesus Christ in this population in Northeast Columbia. Now that means that we have to have a sense of urgency to reach out to this community. I love the fact the way the Bartons came into Spring Valley. That's the way it ought to be. A student invited another student to come and be a part and brought their family along. And we're seeing that that's a trend. And said, so this student ministry will also be a, 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 an enhancement as we see a place out here that's built for them that's youth friendly. You see, that, that needs to be youth friendly, where they can come from all the pressures in life, from the disruptions at home, from, from, the, from the peer pressure they face, to all the things. That, that, that students have to face today that we want to provide a friendly place, uh, a very nice environment where they can come and experience shelter from the world and hear the Gospel of Jesus Christ that will change their lives. So, the message never changes. But the methods through all the years of Christianity have changed tremendously. And we are facing another time that we have to revision how we are going to do that ministry. Now, while our message never changes, look, at where, look again at where they are. That's where our students have to meet. That's what they have on Sunday morning. That's the fellowship center. They sit around tables. And all that time that they're there trying to do Bible study, people walk through to go to the kitchen and get ice. They go to the kitchen to get something to drink, something out of the refrigerator. People walk through to take the records, Sunday school records, up to the office. Sometimes it's even staff <laughs> that walk through there. We have had some people who come in the back door and walk through there. And I've asked them, would you please go around? They said, no. I've always come in the back door. I'm going to keep coming through the back door. That's my path over to where I go. Every time there's a special event that goes on in there, our students have to get out. They have to find somewhere to go meet. There's going to be a lunch afterwards. Something. Everything's got to hurry and get through that and be broken down so that they can set up for whatever else is going to come in there. Now look at that. Look at that facility. It's a a fairly decent uh, fellowship center. They have a lot of receptions and meals, and it serves us well for that. But it's not user friendly for the students of today. They go to schools where it's wireless. They don't even have textbooks in them. They got all the latest iPads and the latest uh, phones that you can do anything with. They live in a technology world at school and at home, and they come here and this is all they have. That's not very inviting. It's not very attractive. And so this building will allow us, I think, and hope, and pray, because we've got a million and a half dollars that we'll invest in it, will provide a, a place where these teenagers of today, and generations yet to come, can come to a place that they'll be proud of, a place that will be student friendly, where they can hang out and relax, have hangout time, and then where they can worship and have Bible study. And in that process lives will be changed and then hopefully we also will reach other families as a result of that. Do we have uh, the technology up that we can take a a quick trip into that building that's not even finished yet? Do we? Okay. Can you show that video? Just by modern technology, here we go. Look at this. Some of you have had the opportunity to see the building. Here's how you enter a registration sign-in place. There's the gathering space. Nice and neat. Got a lot of uh, flat screen TVs everywhere. Got a little mezzanine up there. Got a cafe area in the back. Over to the right are 12 classrooms. They Down this hallway and down that hallway opens up to 12 classrooms. They don't, they don't have Maybe two on the outside that they get to use now. We're not sure about the pool table whether that goes with it or not. But it's in the picture. Nice looking area. How do you think that compares to the fellowship center where they meet? Looking down from the mezzanine you see those two offices there. The hallway again to the left goes through uh, education classes. That's nice student friendly. You go through these double doors and we go into the worship center. Basically that's the decor up, I don't know about the vases of flowers and all like that. But when you get in here into the worship center those are not the colors of the chairs. What are the colors of the chairs going to be? Blue. Okay. Blue. But this is the worship side over here. It will be this way on the left as you are looking at it this way. Worship center, gathering center, education center. That's about 185 seats or so you can take the chairs and rearrange them, even add more to that for future generations. Now isn't that something that is more attractive than where they are now? That's why we're building this. We're investing in the future generation. So here's what I want you to do. I want to give you a challenge today. We've asked you before, but I'm going to ask you again. Pray, well, first of all, pray for our student ministry. That's a lot of work for Ryan and Jason and those who help them to reach all these students. And and different people have different needs, you know, and so it's even difficult in that diversity of students to meet everybody's needs. Some like this, some like that, some don't like this, some don't like that. So pray for the student ministry and for Jason and Ryan. Pray about what you will give sacrificially to make this a reality and help us pay it off over the next three years. Make a sacrificial commitment then, next Sunday on March 10th. Remember, that's that's time change Sunday. Don't use that as an excuse to miss being in here for the offering for that. We've sent out uh, commitment cards, we've asked you to pray about it, we've heard testimonies. You know, how much should you give? I, I'll say it to you again. You need to give a gift that's a sacrificial gift for you. Martin's talked today about what they're going to give up so they can make some gifts, sacrificial here. And let me remind you that when we invest in the future, we're building a bridge from one generation to the next in the, in the rock-solid foundation of the teachings of God. Let's pray. Father. We thank you for all those who have gone before us who have shared the faith. Not just these uh, in biblical times and those we find described in the Bible, uh, but we thank you for these who came before us and had a vision for Spring Valley Baptist Church out here in Northeast Columbia. And we thank you Father for their vision that uh, has led to Spring Valley and for the impact that Spring Valley Baptist Church has had in its 33 years plus in the lives of, of many, many, many different generations. So Father as we face this challenge help us to to look to the past for that rock solid foundation and seek to build the spiritual bridge that that we have a destination for in terms of reaching generations yet to come that they too will know about Your love and the gift of Jesus Christ and salvation. And Father I pray that every family represented in the life of our church will really earnestly be in prayer and consideration about the sacrificial financial commitment they will make over the next three years. And we want to do it all for Your glory as we reach future generations. And Father we pray it in the name of Jesus Christ who sacrificed His life for us. Amen.